Oh, good morning, good morning. So good to be with you this morning. Um, look, right as we get started here this morning, I just want to like extend a big warm welcome to you. You know, if you're here for the hundredth time, if you're here for the first time, um, I just want to kind of lay it out there by just saying that chances are we have a lot more in common than not. And probably you have a lot more in common than not than the, with the person that you're sitting next to. Um, so winter warmers, like we're, we're in our third week of this winter warmers series. And uh, honestly, this series is about encouraging us, getting us through the cold winter months. And uh, so I'm going to attempt that today, and we'll just see how it goes, all right? Um, The thing is, when we think about winter, we think about the cold, we think about the grind, we think about not a whole lot of daylight. And for some of us, for some of us, in fact, I'd probably argue all of us, could think of a time in our lives where we've been through a metaphorical winter season, you know, like a hard time, a time where they didn't feel like there was a whole lot of daylight, a time where you felt like you were treading water. And, uh, and probably all of us know what hard times look like. I don't want to spend too, much, too long here, because chances are, if we're being real, some of you might find yourself in that season. You might be in a winter season in your life this morning. Um, for some of us, this might be, you know, it may have been a time of financial hardship. Um, you know, Phil just mentioned before, you know, some of you may have rocked up to work one morning to find that you don't have a job anymore. Um, for some of us, it may have been, may have been family breakdown. You know, the, the intimacy and closeness of a family is suddenly just cracking apart. And that can be, that can be really hard to deal with. Um, for others, it, it, winter season may have been because of a, a relationship breakdown. And um, chances are, you know, actually, if we're being really honest, winter seasons come when all of these things seem to pile up together and jump on us all at the same time. And we find ourselves in a, in a, in a really lonely kind of hard season. And um, the good thing is, is that people... We do life around people, and hopefully, if you're a decent human being, and I'm just going to put it out there, I'll assume you're all lovely human beings, that we want to help, right? We want to help. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you probably have more reason to try and help people when they're going through a winter season. And if you're the one going through a winter season, you want to help yourself, right? Um, So here's the thing, though. That the most readily available form of help that we so often give to people is our words, right? It's what we say. It's what we say. This is just the easiest way that we can do it. When you're walking past someone and you're like, hi, how's it going? And they're like, oh, really not great at the moment. You're like, oh, and you suddenly think, what am I supposed to say right now? Am I going to go, uh, that I feel sorry for you. I've got to keep going. I'll see you next time. Or do you like sit down? Do you have a conversation? But you're already running late for something, so you're not really in the mind to do that. Here's what I've I've definitely done before, and uh, maybe you could relate to this as well. I, I we've got if you're a follower of Jesus, you've got like a list of of one-liners that you can kind of throw out there that are hopefully encouraging to the person who's going through a hard time. And maybe if you've been through a hard time, you've been on the receiving end of, of one of these one-liners. Sometimes it's a verse from the Bible. That can, be, that can be good. Other times it's not a verse from the Bible, even though we'd like to think it is. Okay, here's what we're going to do. Because we've been sitting for a while, can I get everyone just to stand up real quick? 
We're going we're to have a bit of fun just as we get started here this morning. What I'm going to do is I am going to throw out some one-liners out there that are very common in the Christian community. And hey, if you're with us this morning and you haven't been a part of Christian community very long, maybe you've heard one of these before. What we're going to do is, if you've heard one of these statements before, then you can sit down, okay? All right? Hopefully we don't get everyone in the first one. That'd be kind of awkward. Okay. And, uh, and I'm not picking on you if you've ever said these before, because I know I certainly have. Okay, here we go. All right, are you ready? I, put, I want you guys to put yourself in this position, right? You, you're having a terrible time. Your dog has died. The pizza that got delivered to you was really cold. And the big toe, your big toe that turned purple last winter, you've just been told it has to be amputated. And a Christian brother comes up alongside you, that puts his arm around you and says, Bill... Don't worry, everything happens for a reason. Okay, okay. Still some people standing. All right, oh, we've got another one. Uh, what about this one? This is a classic. Probably is more American than some of these other ones, but God helps them who helps themselves. Oh, golly. So we know that one's not in the Bible. Um, <laughs> Reality is, is that uh, apart from being grammatically incorrect, you've got to say that one with a really hick accent. So, um, what about this one? This one, this one's also a classic of our of of the last few generations. Whenever God closes a door somewhere, He opens a window. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! There we go. So this one was brought to us by the lovely Julie Andrews from Sound of Music. It's not in the Bible. Um, <laughs> And actually, somebody pointed out to me once that, um, that this statement might not actually be that helpful to you if you're on the 14th floor. Um, <laughs> but, okay, good thing you're all sitting, but here's, here's the one that I want to spend a little bit of time talking about this morning. And this is a statement that, honestly, I believe that a lot of us say in, in all sincerity. And the problem for me, and I'm hoping to convince you, the problem... There are a few little subtle problems with this statement, and I'm going to get into it in just a second, but here's the statement. God will never give you more than you can handle. Hard times come, the struggle comes, and a well-meaning person says to you, God will never give you more than you can handle. See, I believe this, this statement has actually sunk really, really deep into, into Christian culture and in the way that we see ourselves and the way that we see God and the way that we see hard times. Um, the problem is, it, uh, and, and if, you've, if you've heard a lot of songs on Christian radio, there are some doozies out there, but, um, but there have been songs that have kind of riffed on that statement. You know, God won't give you more than you can take. He might let you bend. He won't let you break, all of this kind of thing. But what I'm actually here to tell you this morning is that that, that statement, God will never give you more than you can handle, it's actually not it's not enough. It, it's not enough. And I'm actually going to go so far as to say it's wrong. It's actually not correct. And I'm going to get into a few little reasons why. But okay, so, so far we're off to a great start with trying to encourage you this morning if you're in a hard time. Uh, <laughs> oh dear. So um, here's what I want to say to you, especially, especially if you are going through a winter season right now and there is hardship that you are dealing with on a daily basis. What I want to share to you personally this morning is that God has something far 
better, far more real, and far more hope-filled than that one-liner could ever, could ever communicate. And my hope and my prayer is that for you this morning, as we kind of get into God's Word and see what He has to say about this stuff, that it will encourage you, that you'll actually take something out of this. And, and maybe if you're not going through a hard time, you know, chances are, someone a lot wiser than me once said, we are either just coming out of a hard time, we are just about to go into a hard time, or we are right in the thick of it. So wherever you are this morning, it's my hope and prayer that we experience actual hope in these winter seasons right now. Would you pray with me just as we start, and then we're going to get into a, a verse here really quick. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for this time we can gather together. We thank you for an opportunity to look at the truth of who you are and how you have revealed yourself to us. And I pray in these next few moments that we share that hope would come across to everyone in this room no matter their background, no matter their circumstances. Would your presence and your love be with us here this morning? It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Okay, so this statement, God will never give you more than you can handle. Okay, so I believe this actually is like a misquote or a slightly different version of a real Bible verse. This kind of is kind of in the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, a little bit of context, the Apostle Paul. He's writing to a church in, in Corinth, and he's talking to them, and he's trying to encourage them about how to deal with temptation, right? Temptation. Here's the verse. It says, God is faithful, absolutely, and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out. So, I mean, maybe that's already a little bit of encouragement for you this morning. That's great. Okay, so... Returning back to this original statement, God will never give you more than you can handle. Okay, here, here's, the, here's why I have a problem with it. It creates two, two problems. First of all, it's simply not true. Because if we look in the Bible, if we look in the story of God's work amongst humanity, we actually see like time and time and time again of people being in way over their head, like way more than they can handle. And God actually specifically calling people to do way more than they can handle. You think of Moses. Moses was an outcast, and God comes to him and says, you are the guy who, are, who is going to lead my people out of bondage in Egypt from the most powerful empire on earth, and you're going to make a great nation with, alongside them. And he's like, you've got the wrong guy. I can't talk well. I am not cut out for this. And do you know what? Actually, throughout Moses' life, he has a few breakdown moments where he's literally like, God, I can't deal with this anymore. These people are so annoying. Can you just take me from this planet? So, okay, there's also some other examples. There's like Gideon, who God shows up in the form of an angel and tells Gideon, the people that have been... Uh, harassing, pilfering, stealing from my people, you are going to gather up an army and you are going to fight them. Gideon's like, uh, no, no, I am the weakest in my family. I come from the smallest tribe. You've got the wrong guy. I am way over my head in that. Okay, what about this one? Jesus himself. Jesus himself admits to having way more than he can handle. When Jesus is 
in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's looking ahead to what is his purpose. A torturous death, crucifixion on the cross. And Jesus says in Mark chapter 14, 33, he says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Elsewhere in other gospels, it says at this point, Jesus is, is sweating blood. Like, I don't know about you, that is way more than anyone could handle. Okay, so problem one, it's, it's not true. It's clear that there is stuff that happens in people's lives in the Bible that's way more than we can handle. But the other thing is, it, it, this problem is really subtle. The second problem is, it actually kind of warps our perception of God a little bit. And again, we probably don't notice it because it's like it's sunk really deep into, into Western kind of Christian culture. But if we take that statement, God will never give you more than you can handle, what does that say about God? Like, wh what's his role in all this? If we're thinking about it, if God will never give you more than you can handle, it kind of paints the picture that God is like this kind of weird, obsessed personal trainer who's like right beside you while you're doing push-ups and he's just kind of stacking weights on top of you going, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. But is, uh, for me, like I look through the Bible, that's not the character of God that I see. Somebody who's just stacking stuff on top of you, expecting you to deal with it and knowing and him being the only one who kind of knows where, what your breaking point is. I don't think that's the character of God. Okay, so great, now what? Once again, we're doing a great job encouraging you this morning. Oh, where do we go from here? So the question, I guess the only question that matters and the one that I'm just gonna try and deal with now is, okay, so if that statement's not true, then why, why, why? would God allow us to experience more than we can handle? Why would God allow us to experience more than we can handle? Okay, first reason, I believe, is so that we can learn to depend on his presence. Reality is, when life is going really well for us, that it's very easy for us to um, overlook God or to become maybe a little bit indifferent towards God. It's not that we want to forget about God completely or we, or we ignore him. It's just that when things are going really well, you've been promoted, um, you have a, a wonderful friends and support network, um, just the, the roses are blooming in life. It's just a really great season for you. He can tend to kind of fade to the background of, of your thoughts. That's not, you know, necessarily a bad thing inherently, but but how many of you know it to be true that as soon as the, the trouble comes, the, all the bills show up at once, uh, you have an accident, a friend gets a diagnosis that you never wanted to hear, all of a sudden, you're like, God, I need you. you your dependence on him becomes so real to you in that moment. Um, so, really quick, literal, <laughs> probably a little bit too literal, story uh, from my own experience about this. So 
Years ago, I am, uh, I'm on this multi-day trek through the southwestern wilderness of Tasmania. It's beautiful. It's in the end of summer. Uh, it's the end of a university year. I'm looking ahead to a week of, uh, or weeks of holidays, and I'm there with some of my closest friends, and we are uh, making our way through in and around Mount Anne and Lake Pedder, and it's just beautiful. Um, and so we'd been at it for a few days, and, uh, and honestly, I was on top of the world. Apart from literally feeling like I'm on top of the world with all the amazing views around me, um, I am really enjoying life. I'm having a great time. And, uh, and the, I guess the consciousness or like my awareness of God's presence was definitely not the forefront of my mind. Obviously, I'm looking around going, wow, this is amazing. It's so good to be here. God, wow, you've really created some amazing stuff. But like, I wouldn't say I was feeling terribly dependent on God at this point. Um, so, final day of this trek, and we wake up, it's a beautiful morning, and all we have ahead of us is downhill. At this point, we've been uphill, downhill, uphill, downhill, and um, my legs are dead. But we're on our way downhill, we've just got the downhill run to go along some flat plain, and then we're back to the car park, and we were going to hit up Maccas to each consume a whole dinner box to ourselves. Um, and so that's what we were kind of looking forward to. And, uh, and in this moment, uh, a, a critical decision was made. We'd gotten to the bottom of the mountain and uh, a, a large part of our crew decided that they were going to swing by one of the lakes and, uh, and have a bit of a splash around before we, uh, before we headed out. Maybe they were a bit smelly or something, I don't know. But there was one guy who was with us who was woefully equipped and very unfit. And so me and a friend of mine took it upon ourselves that we were like, well, actually, we're going to keep trudging on with this guy. We're going to get to the car park and we'll just conk out for a while. If we have a nap, that'll be great. Um, so that's what we decide to do, and so we're on the flat, and uh, we separate off, and um, long story short, me and these two other guys, we got woefully lost, like really badly lost. Like at one point, we were in scrub that was so thick, we were literally using the woefully equipped guy as a battering ram to get <laughs> through the scrub. And, uh, and we kind of knew we were in a bit of trouble because um, we had no form of communication or anything. We had a vague idea of the map, like we'd seen the map and we talked about it with the guy who knew stuff. And, uh, but clearly, we didn't know enough because we were hopeless. Anyway, we decided the best thing for us to do would be to go um, find the river because we knew that if we followed the river along, we would be able to eventually get back to the car park. And so we found our way to the river after going through so much scrub. And uh, we get down into the river. The river's about waist deep. And we spend the next four and a half hours trudging with all of our stuff, just going through the river. Because it's a valley, and we're, there's like a big slippery slope on either side, and there's thick scrub everywhere else. The only option that we had in our minds was to go through this river. So in a literal valley, See what I'm saying? This story's a bit too literal. Um, we're, we're going through this river for four and a half hours, and I can guarantee you that between the three of us, our prayer lives increased by like 500%. It was like we were, we were questioning everything. We didn't have much food because it was our last day. We thought we were all done. And we had a, a few bits and pieces of tent and stuff shared between us that we might be able to scrape together some sort of shelter. But again, we had no idea where we were going to camp anyway because everything was so thick on either side. So uh, anyway, long story short, we did actually get found, but the, uh, my, my awareness of like God's presence and my conversation level with him and my closeness, my closeness, my intimacy with him was so close, was so real in that moment because everything was seemingly 
falling apart and I didn't really have anywhere else to turn. Maybe you can relate to that and you've been in a space in your life where you've had nowhere else to go. Here's what I know to be true. I would rather be, I would like honestly rather be hurting and feel close to God um, than be on a mountaintop and be completely indifferent or, or, or oblivious of him at work in, in my life. Um, and here's what else I know to be true. We shouldn't, we shouldn't let we shouldn't let the presence of, of struggle, the presence of, of trouble or strife in our lives make us doubt the presence of God with us. And the reason I know that to be true is because in, in, uh, in Psalm 145, there's lots of emotional Psalms out there, but in Psalm 145, verse 18, or verse 17 and 18, it talks about who God is talks about his character and it says the Lord is righteous in all his ways and he's faithful in all he does the Lord is near to all who call on him to all who call on him in truth so to any of you who are in that winter season this morning why would God allow you to experience more than you can handle believe that maybe it's so that you can learn to depend on his presence no matter what background or like how you were raised you've probably heard of another psalm psalm 23 it's the good shepherd psalm one of the verses it says even though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death sounds awful i will fear no evil because you are with me okay so, second reason. Second reason. Thanks, Reuben. So that we can experience his power. Why would God allow us to experience more than we can handle? So that we can experience his power in our time of weakness. Um, okay, I'm going to talk to all the men in the room for just a second. I don't know. I, maybe women can relate to this as well. I have no idea. Um, I checked with a couple of guys through the week if this was true for them, and they said yes, so I'm going to go with it. Um, I don't know if this is just me and my friends, but I have this thing that when there, when there is a task ahead of me where I need to transport a bunch of stuff from one place to another, the common example I'm going to go with is groceries from the back of the car to the kitchen bench, one trip one trip right so <laughs> so it's all about you've got to gather up as many of those bags as you can which is actually getting harder now because those plastic bags are huge compared to what they used to be um, so you want to gather up as many of those plastic bags as you can possibly take so that you don't have to make another trip back to the car because that's way more efficient than back and forth am I right so you gather up all the bags you're like trying to edge your way towards the front door. You make it all the way up the stairs and then you realize, oh, the house keys are in the back pocket. So then you're like trying to, and you like putting bags down is admitting defeat. So now you're in this like weird contortionist act where you're like trying to get to your keys in the back pocket and you're like trying to unlock the door and anyway. And then you finally get to the, get to the um, bench but you realize like the cereal and some other stuff have kind of bailed along the way and you've got to go and clean up after yourself. Anyway, the point of that is that I feel like that's a really good image 
of how we can uh, how we can try and run our lives when all of this stuff comes at once. We feel like, okay, God will never give me more than I can handle, so I just got to handle it, right? I'm going to handle it. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to just buck up right now, and I'm going to carry all of this stuff that I can. Wow, thanks, Ruben. He's really into it. Um, <laughs> so we kind of have this, have this thing in the back of our heads that says, I have the strength to be able to do this. Like, I know I can do this. I've just got to do it right now. But the reality is, is that, honestly, we were created to actually need God. We're actually created to be deficient in some way. I know that sounds really off, but we're actually created to need God. There is a space in our lives that cannot function 100% unless God is there and working through us. Um, Paul, I'm going to go back to the Apostle Paul real quick. He talks in 2 Corinthians, I think it is, about a thorn in the flesh that he had. A thorn in the flesh. This is just a metaphor that he was using um, for a struggle, like a really unfortunate, really annoying struggle that he had. Biblical scholars have gone back and forth about what it could have been. No one really knows. And clearly Paul didn't want to tell us. So he had this thing and he went through three really tough seasons in life where he was asking God, God, would you get rid of this deficiency in me? Would you get rid of this weakness? Would you take it away? Would you heal me? And Paul had come to the realization that for whatever reason, uh, God wasn't going to be taking that thing away. And here's his thoughts around this. He's talking to the church in Corinth, and he says, each time he, God, whenever Paul would go to God about this, each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best, works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, the hardships, the persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. There's been plenty of good songs made about that one as well. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The reality is we were created to need God. Okay, so here's the thing. No matter what place you're in this morning, whether you're right in the thick of a winter season, you've just come out of one, or you're probably just about to hit one at some point, I'm sorry, but those in the room with more life experience, you probably know that to be true. We're all going to face a thorn in our lives. And some of you here this morning are already well aware of what that is. It might be a healing that you've, you've yet to experience. It might be a, a mental health thing. It might be a, a relationship that you're still waiting to be reconciled. It could be something that is just, you just wish that God would take it away because honestly, if you're being real, it is more than you can handle. The truth is though, 
that God is working at his most powerful in you through that weakness, through that deficiency. When we have the least to bring, when we have the least to bring, that's when God's power works best in us. I can guarantee you that there will be times in your life where there will be more than you can handle. You know, um, if you're, <laughs> I'll speak for myself for a second, if you're raising a toddler and a newborn, there will be more than you can handle. Maybe raising teenagers, I haven't done that yet, but I've heard there will be more than you can handle. <laughs> Uh, relationships, you know, if you're giving yourself sacrificially to another person, there will be more than you can handle. If you're invested in ministry, if you're invested, if you're giving yourself to a career that you are passionate about, you can guarantee that there will come times where there will be more than you can handle. If you are a man married to a woman, <laughs> and a woman married to a man, there will be... <laughs> There will be times where there is more than you can handle. But the hopeful thing in this is that we're not created to do life on our own. And instead of telling ourselves that we have to be strong, that we have to get it together, we actually have to realize that we are weak. We can depend. We were created to depend on God and, and his presence and his power working through us. People are going to fail you. Christians are going to fail you. Life is going to fail you at some point. But Jesus will never fail you. It's a promise that he gives us, that he will never leave us or forsake us. So why would God allow you to experience more than you can handle? So that we can learn to depend on his presence, so that we can experience his power at work in our lives. So what are we going to do with this? What are we going to do with this? Okay, if you're in a season right now where things are looking pretty good, but you know that there are people around you who are going through a winter season right now. Honestly, the most helpful thing that we can do is to spend time, to actually get close, to get proximate, hear them out, and never stop praying for miracles to happen. Whether that miracle is to see that thing, that thorn in the flesh removed, whether it's healing or whatever it is, or whether it's the miracle of experiencing that person, experiencing the presence of God in that struggle, never stop praying. But if I want to talk to you if you are in that winter season right now, if you are the one who is experiencing that struggle and that hardship right now, the call for us in that season is actually to be grateful. And in the Bible, it talks about this, this cycle that happens when struggle and hardship comes. And I'm going to share this verse with us in just a moment, and I'm going to pray, and then we are going to, we're going to express gratefulness to God through worship. But here's how it works. There's this cycle. When we hit trials and struggles, and then we can return to what we know is true about God and thank him for it, even in the midst of our strife. That builds this muscle called faith. That builds this muscle called faith. And the call for us that comes from First Peter is to be able to reach down, reach down into the mud when we are hurting, when we are bleeding out, 
and to thank God and praise him for who we know he is, for the promises that he has said to us in his word. This is what it says in 1 Peter. I'm going to read this verse and then I'm going to pray. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 to 7, it says, In all this you greatly rejoice. Though now, for a little while, while you have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, it's of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though when it's refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Let's pray. God, I'm aware that each of us have a different journey, each of us have a different story. And right now, for some of us in this room, that story might not be in the best chapter. I pray for each and every person in this room. May we come to depend on your presence in the depth of our struggle. May we come to experience your power in our weakness. May you work through our deficiencies. God, may you strengthen this faith muscle. And as we stand to give you thanks and to worship you here in just a moment, may the Holy Spirit work in the hearts of those who are hurting here this morning. May they find what is true about you experienced in their own lives. Your love, your peace, the joy that comes from knowing about your faithfulness. And for those of us who are walking alongside somebody who's in a winter season this morning, challenge us, get alongside, and to never stop praying for that person, to give them the time, hear them out. And as we know that there will be more than we can handle in this life, that you will always be with us. And it's because of Jesus and his work on the cross that we can say all of these things. And we say, Amen.